0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We move into chapter 2 of Isaiah. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days, that the mountain of the house of Yahweh shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it, and many people shall come and say, Come! Come! Let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of Yahweh. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands to what their own fingers have made. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low, to not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of Yahweh and from the splendor of his majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. For Yahweh of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low, against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower, and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful craft, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, And Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols shall utterly pass away. And people shall enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground from before the terror of Yahweh, and from the splendor of His majesty, when He rises to terrify the earth. In that day mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship. To the moles and to the bats to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs from before the terror of yahweh and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath for of what account is he this is the word of the lord our text starts positive and and turns negative on us pretty quick So as we look at the first couple of verses, really we're learning about an end times prophecy. And so our end times prophecy here is the day is coming when all people from the earth will look to the Lord. We actually see this in Philippians 2, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ Unfortunately, not everyone will believe, not everyone will have repented, and so that end will not be joyous for many. But we begin to see it here, forecasted, prophesied, told about, that this day is going to come, the judgment day of the Lord. When you see the day of Yahweh in the Old Testament, it's almost always a reference to the judgment day, the last day when Christ will return for his people. I'm making the jump ahead already with John chapter 4 as Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well and they're having their conversation and she's, she mentions to him uh, that she's supposed to worship on, on the mountain. She knows that worship is supposed to be located there in Jerusalem at the temple and Jesus' response to her is that there is a time coming when people will no longer worship God in that place. So this this end times prophecy fits into that account. That account is also pointing simply to the idea that the church can now be wherever God's people are. Um, The connection to Jesus saying, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. But the response of the people in verse 3 is good. Uh, It's a good thing to want to follow the Lord, to walk in his path. Verse 4, the word of Yahweh coming out of Jerusalem. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the word. We learned that in John chapter 1. He shall judge. So Jesus will judge the nations. Again, end times. Uh, so that the rest of that verse 4 is about. Uh, beating their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. They're taking their instruments of war and they're turning them into tools to work the earth. To care for the creation, which is what we were originally designed to do. So this is... This is a reference to paradise, so there will be no more war any longer. Verse 5, you can ask your children, who is the light? Or what is the light of Yahweh? What's that referring to? I kind of give it away when I say who. It's Jesus as the light of the world. Verse 6, God has rejected his people. Because of their constant adultery their, their idolatry, they're turning away from him. And so we learn of their vast wealth in the next few verses and how they have turned to the works of their own hands and they worship the works of their own hands. This is a little more literal in the past as they would make statues, actual idols, um, and they would bow down and worship those. The Philistines we saw in 1 Samuel had one, uh, a god called Dagon, and they worshiped before his statue closest we get to this today is usually a statue of buddha but there are others but the point of idolatry is not the literal statue there's nothing wrong with a piece of metal or a piece of rock or wood or whatever something has been carved out of the problem is where our trust is it's where our worship is and so idolatry for us is so much more common we we're idolatrous most of the time we're either in repentance or we're in rebellion and so we do this very much so our land is filled with wealth and we end up finding ourselves worshiping our wealth instead of the Lord trusting and we put that another way we find ourselves trusting in our wealth instead of trusting in the Lord we trust in our home for shelter instead of trusting in God for shelter we trust in our income we trust in our retirement income provision and food rather than trusting in God for such things. It's easy for the works of our hands to become idols for us. Isaiah's statement in verse 9 is very harsh. Do not forgive them. And really at that point you've hit bottom. To not be forgiven, there's nothing worse. To not have our reconciliation with the Lord, would there would be nothing worse than that? Verse 10, they're told to enter into the rock, which Old Testament commonly we see the idea that God is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, those kinds of phrases. For God to be our rock, he is our refuge, he is our shelter, he is our hiding place. God's holiness destroys sin destroys sinners and so you could take verse 10 in one of two ways you could either take it in the direction of you know sinners flee go ahead and find a rock and hide yourself and maybe you'll get away from God which they won't or repent turn to God and hide in him have him as your rock in which case you will be saved verses 11 through 19. Show God's wrath against pride. And again, as we talk about idols of our day and our culture, pride is a big one. We are proud of just about everything and anything. And pride is a a major source of sin in the scriptures. I mean look at this list and see how pride shows up a couple of times. Humble, which is the opposite, shows up. Haughtiness, which is another way to say pride. Uh, Exaltedness, being lifted up, being brought low. I mean, this whole section is about pride or the lack thereof. And God is going to have a day, the judgment day, the last day, where he opposes the proud and he brings them low. But the humble, he will lift up. So the prideful will be destroyed on the judgment day. They will be sent to hell. But the humble those who lived in humility and repented and trusted in the Lord instead of in themselves, those will be lifted up. They will be brought to paradise with God. They will be saved. Verse 13's cedars of Lebanon. Those cedars were legendary. I mean, people knew of the cedars of Lebanon. You wanted those. The same could be said for the ships of Tarshish. Those are, are, are glorified by man. You want a ship from Tarshish just like you want a tree from Lebanon but verse 17 says it again the lofty pride of men shall be brought low our pride doesn't even begin to stand in God's presence we will be brought low if we try to be prideful in his presence so verse 20 is a call to repent cast away your idols of silver and gold. If we don't repent before that day, we will be condemned. But if we repent before that day, there is now salvation in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? Who put the breath in his nostrils? God did. He breathed that in there. Man is of what account? Nothing. Man cannot save us. No king can save you. Only the king, Jesus Christ, can. And for us, thankful, 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 he has.